You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly on the Call, and here we are at episode 40 with Cliff Diver. There are as many genres as band names these days, but Cliff Diver's elevator emo pop tag still certainly catches the eyes. And the band lives up to it. With some real polish, hard on your sleeve lyrics, and the perfect dose of saxophone, Cliff Diver has wide appeal. They seek to create and take part in an inclusive scene that is open to conversations on mental health. Check out their new track, The Water Temple is Filled with My Tears and Now I'm Drowning in Sorrow, and catch them live as soon as you safely can. The tweet the other day about the fact that you have uh, canceled twice as many tours as uh, you've completed um, is kind of what led me to finally, you know, reaching out to talk to you. And I did want to kind of, you know, talk about what's it like kind of being a band during COVID and especially being a band that's kind of like at your size where, you know, you just had, you know, those first couple of EPs pressed to vinyl, you're going to play South by Southwest, you know, you, you're kind of had a lot of pots boiling for this year. Um, so how has it kind of been for you, weathering the pandemic? Um, I won't lie, it was really hard at first. Because um, yeah, w- we had uh, quite the spring plan. We were headlining a couple shows at South by Southwest for our first time ever going there. And um, we had some tours lined up um, for a couple weeks worth of tours. And um, kind of everything was kind of moving the way we wanted it to. And then when the bottom fell out, it was a really hard um, adjustment not to become kind of bitter and really disappointed in the way things were. But then you get to the point where you go, all right, well, every single band is going through this. This isn't something that's only affecting us. So we're going to be okay. Everyone else is going through the same uncertainty right now. Um, and it's crazy, but I feel like uh, we'll get out of this and we'll be better than we were when we went into it because we actually run good songs now so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i definitely feel like we uh lucked out a little bit i mean there are some bands that are in in a much worse position i think the last show we played maybe the second to last show was with dog leg and down in oklahoma city and they (laughs) were explaining that uh they were about to go on tour with joyce mayner and uh they, and, it was uh, right before they released right the before LP. they put their yeah their album out and like then all of that kind of just like they quit their jobs and everything to it and then it all just kind of fell apart and it's like you know at least we weren't in that position uh you know which it sucks so bad for those guys because they're amazing and they're going to come out of it just fine as well because they're amazing like i said but um we, we've definitely kind of been blessed um it's been a real good time to focus on getting our mental health and physical health where it needs to be to be able to tour like we want. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then also a time to really connect with our fan base and, and know that, you know, everyone's struggling. And that's something that we cover a lot in our music, kind of this mental health and you're going to be okay working with hope for the day stuff. And um, it's been a really, a really special time to be the band that we are, to be able to have the conversations we, we do. So it sucks. Yeah, of course it does, but um, it's going to be okay as well. Yeah. And I mean, the whole situation is obviously like exacerbated mental health issues for a lot of people. Um, have you like noticed a difference in the, in the way you're going about connecting with these, with the fans and like how they kind of, you know, are interacting with you? Um, I think we've definitely seen our numbers go up a little bit um, because I think that people do find a little bit of comfort in these songs about overcoming these adverse times because for a lot of people who one, struggle with mental health to begin with. These times have been extra stressful, but the people who never have been anxious before mm-hmm. have never really felt this kind of overwhelming dread and depression. Um, I think it's been really scary for some of those people as well, the more neuro- neurotypical. Um, and I think we've had a great opportunity to be like, no, 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 I understand. It does feel like everything's falling apart, but trust me, you're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. I know, and, and I've seen that with our fans as well. Some of the we do have a, a larger fan base of people that do struggle with you know different you know mental illness and mental health things and on the autism spectrum and all that kind of stuff and and I've seen them reach out to other people and be like hey I know this is you're struggling right now people who are struggling and saying but you're gonna be okay and I think that's been a really special thing to watch um, kind of that message get passed on I <laughs> think that's been one of the cooler parts sure yeah and I mean. You kind of mentioned like the different way that, you know, neurotypical people are kind of, you know, coming into anxiety for the first time. And um, I mean, I feel like in a similar way, like some of your music like lends itself really well to, you know, a person with a more standard music taste. I feel like they would like it just as much as someone who's like into the underground stuff as they would. It just kind of like needs to get in front of them. Um, have you found that to kind of like be true? And like, what, how does your fan base kind of, how does it typically look? Um, I, I think that we are one of those bands that people are like, oh, they're just the, they're the guys that wear the fanny packs and the jean shorts and the guy is a mullet. Okay, whatever, I get it. They have a shirtless saxophone player, I get it. But then they, they listen and they're like, oh, this dude's gone through some stuff. Um, and I think that really has been able to draw in a lot of people. We don't get a lot of people to go, Hey, I listened to your music and I hated it. Except when it comes to getting our songs playlisted by <laughs> curators, they're the people who seem to be like, Hey, listen to this song where you hated it. But, um, <laughs> I, I do feel like we have a nice accessibility. Yeah, it's definitely a diverse crowd. Like this is the first band I've ever, I've ever been in that my parents actually like the music <laughs> and, uh, and then we were able to score like some radio slots and get in, into some rotation on like pretty pretty major radio stations and stuff like that. And that's not something I ever expected from like one of my projects <laughs> necessarily. Sure. So it, it definitely has that almost like that commercial crossover capability, um, mm-hmm. which I th- which makes it you know that much more digestible by by a large uh, spectrum of folks, but. I also feel like um, it addresses some things. I I think with me being, I turn 33 next week. I think with me being a little bit older, 
and talking about still these feelings of uncertainty and these these unpredictable mood swings and these depressive episodes and anxieties and things that you know you have a lot of focus on from like 23 year old 24 year old young bands you know what i mean and young fan bases but i think there's a, a level of this that we see a lot at our shows is people in their mid 30s you know early 40s coming up to you and being like hey you made what I think makes sense. And I've never really felt that before. So not only, I, I, I do think that there's a, a lot of people who do approach it for the catharsis, who experience a lot of stuff, but also I think that it allows, um, which is one of our intentions, people to start thinking about things a little differently, to end that kind of s- stigma surrounding the even conversations. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd have people come up to you in hushed tones and be like, I, I also struggle with anxiety. And it's <laughs> like, no, you can say that out loud. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it, it, you know, you are not alone and you are not broken because of this. And I think uh, that's been a really, a really special thing. Like we get messages from people in Brazil and Mexico city and, you know, a guy from New Zealand who found us when he was in Iceland hanging out with one of his friends. And I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that, um, having those poppy licks really allows us to be able to dive deeper into the more serious subject matter that we talk about at shows and in innocent. Um, that's kind of beneath the surface. And these, you remember that guy that was at that one, um, show downtown that he was probably in like his mid forties or something. And he came out and was like, I have no, I have no idea who you guys are, but I just came off my second or third divorce. (laughs) Like an older guy is like, I just really needed to hear that song, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's pretty cool. What? It's pretty cool. We've been really lucky. I feel like to um, get the the fans we have. Um, Cause I, I, I do think a lot of them are friends. And I think that's one thing we focus on is trying to build relationships where it's not just like, hey, buy our stuff, but it's like, <laughs> how are you today? Tell me how you're doing. How can we help? For sure. You know, and I, I think that that um, is, a, is a privilege for us. Yeah, and I mean, kind of like a lot of the kind of themes and stuff in the band have to do with that kind of transitional point you're talking about from like, you know, late 20s into early 30s and, you know, that kind of, in some ways, like later stage of adulthood. Um, has Do you think that, you know, that's kind of something that hasn't really been tackled in the past in music? Or what do you think it is about your music that kind of like allows you to say the things you do and also allows, you know, that sort of fan base to be open to it? I think it has, I mean, obviously it's been touched on before. You have people like, uh, you know, Stephen Jenkins, Third Eye Blind, or, or Jim from Jimmy World, where it's like they're in their late 40s, early 50s, and they're writing these songs about all these emotions and stuff. But I think, uh, it's the intentionality of addressing it, of being really open, being like, hey, I never planned to live past 30. You know, I, I definitely planned on dying before now. And I'm here and I'm 33 and I'm an adult for all intents and purposes, but I have no idea what's going on or what I'm doing. And every day is a new adventure and mystery. And I think addressing that kind of insecurity almost of, of my adult stages um i think is is important because i think a lot of people you know like green charlotte or green charlotte (laughs) (laughs) green day and good charlotte uh still write songs about like being 17 you know Mm. they're writing these songs like i'm a youth and i'm full of angst and it's like i get that and that's important but i think there needs to be more focus on the aging process on growing on maturing on the fact that you are not immortal as your youth and mania might have once convinced you of. And I think 
until we're able to really focus um, some meaningful thoughts on mortality, um, that's when we're able to actually take our mental health seriously. And I know that for me personally, I spent all my 20s drinking as much as I could because, I, like I said, I wanted to die. But now that I've realized after a, a brush with death a few years ago that I will die one day, it made me change the way I approach taking care of myself because for the first time I am taking care of myself. And I think that is important to have these conversations about mortality and about the fact that you will not, you can't do this forever. And if you don't start to actually take this seriously and start to actually address these issues, you know, you don't, you, you could die at 55, you could die at 40 of a heart attack. You know, you have to take care of yourself. And I think, uh, that's an important thing to start talking about. And I, I, there's a lot of um, focus on the good things or on just the sadness, but I think we need to really bring in that life's a mixed bag, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be up and it's going to be down, but that's life and that's okay either way. So we're going to be okay, <laughs> I, more or less, <laughs> in, in, in a nice rambling way. <laughs> I mean, and I think what you hit on there is kind of like the the urgency and the lyricism, which I feel like, you know, in some ways is isn't as present as it is in the music um which i mean i know you you jokingly call yourselves um elevator emo pop um i guess can you like tell me about you know kind of how you approach the lyrics different than the the songwriting and um kind of like how you kind of settled onto you know the sound that cliff diver has which is you know even without the saxophone it's very unique on its own Uh, I, I think Matt, Matt usually writes all the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, sometimes I'll be like, hey man, I need you to write me a song like this. And he'll write that with the lyrics. But usually what happens is Matt figures out these soundscapes. And then we listen to them together a couple times and say, all right, what's this trying to say? What are we trying to say here? What does this music remind me of? What, um, because I think half of what we do is have this kind of off, this offsetting music that creates this kind of fun, safe place for you to get into some deeper topics. Um, Because if we just came out and started talking about wanting to kill myself, people are going to be like, all right. But if we put it with a sax lick and a nice acoustic guitar in front of it, people are going to be like, all right, let me hear what he's trying to say right now. You know, it's, it's this, we, we have to give them something to listen to, but you can't have the deep lyricism, I think, if you don't have the the sound behind it. So, I mean, Matt, Matt writes all the music. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, I guess, my philosophy is try to is like I'm just trying to make something um, when, when I'm writing a song and just make something that everyone can find at least something that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's like I don't know. We're not really doing, or I'm not really doing anything new or different. But uh, I mean, you mentioned the saxophone, and that's I feel like that's probably about the extent of our craziness. Well, <laughs> until uh, we get this guitar. Yeah, we're talking about Ooh. a guitar. Yeah, it's are. in the works. So it is. I, I've almost bought it three times until my job keeps closing down like the day before. Like I'll have it oh, pulled gosh. up in the browser <laughs> and be like, heck yes, Kitar time. And then my job's like, hey, we're closing for three weeks because of coronavirus. I'm like, no Kitar yet. <laughs> but by the time we're finally on tour sometime in 2025, I should have a Kitar <laughs> and be pretty good at it. <laughs> for me, it's all about narrative um, when it comes to writing songs. We want to have the, you know, the catchy hooks and lines and stuff, but I think when we start any song, Matt and I kind of get together and we're like, okay, what's this song about? What, what's the overall message? What are we trying to convey here? What are we trying to even talk about? Because I think if you don't have something to actually talk about, then, you know, there's 10, 
trillion songs out there that are about nothing, but I feel like it's important to actually try and be like, once again, mindful is the word that um, I've been, I got really into meditation over the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to that show, the midnight gospel on Netflix <laughs> and a really good episode about mindfulness and, and, and being present and stuff like that. So I think um, whenever we write, we say, what do we want to say to our fans? What am I trying to say to you? What, what is going to reach through? What do you need to hear? And I think mm-hmm. that's really what drives it. It's, it's what, if I was 17, you know, when I was listening to Census Fail and all that stuff and they, and they saved me over and over, what, what would I have needed someone to reach through the headphones and say, you know, you're going to be okay. Or, hey, I know how this feels. Or, hey, God, I also want to kill myself right now. I get that. And I think that's important. But I think being direct and being intentional um, is really important in our lyricism. Um, and the, the songs just kind of, we want to create a, a feeling with them so if you've you know at the end of one of our songs on our last ep alone in your apartment there's this real big breakdown where i'm screaming about wanting to die and we wanted to write that in a way that if you've never struggled with these kind of thoughts and feelings that uh you can hear this song and kind of get that feeling for the first time you can be like oh dang this is something intense (laughs) and then when you listen to lyrics you're like oh dang this is what that feels oh this is not i don't like this (laughs) you know what i mean it's it's, I think, um, it's kind of a, a partnership between us and, and the, the listeners of saying, hey, we're going to have some conversations. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's funny you mentioned Alone in Your Apartment because I have that down in my notes as kind of like one of the ones where, you know, I feel like you generally have that kind of like that smooth kind of vibey feeling. But, you know, like you said, that the second half of that, it's like, you know, you really bring that edge to it. And it really, it feels like, it stands out for the band a little bit more than, you know, it does for some other bands when they use a breakdown because they're using it in every second or third song. Um, like, can you tell me a little about the intentionality as far as, you know, the music itself goes and the writing process for that? Yeah, that one was certainly an outlier. Uh, <laughs> it was, like, it was literally like two days before we went to the studio <laughs> to record it. We, we were sitting here with the, I basically had it had the file for that song hovering over the the trash can on my computer. Oh yeah, we were going four songs on the EP. We were going to just delete it because the original version of it was was awful. <laughs> yeah, it just it didn't sound right. And and I mean even now listening to it, it's like it doesn't like you said it doesn't really fit in. It kind of stands out. But um, luckily Seth, I think the producer was uh, I don't know. He he just kind of made everything a little more cohesive once we got in the studio. But yeah, no, I, I just, uh, it was musically something I sat down and wanted to write um, something kind of along the lines of like a brand news, like yeah. devil and God era kind of stuff. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. darker. Um, something just a little darker with a little more like, <clears throat> just a little more paste. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think Joey probably listened to kind of what I had come up with and was like, oh yeah, I've got the the perfect thing for this uh yeah that that song especially i think is very personal um and intentional because uh, um you know i i've struggled with suicidal ideations for about you know 16 years now but uh a couple times there's two two separate times in my 20s i got really close to actually attempting suicide and once i i did and fortunately i was too drunk to figure out how to operate this cheap gun that I had. Um, 
But I, I, the song itself is about that feeling. Once you realize that you can no longer blame other people for the state that your life's been in, because for a long time, I mean, especially with mental illness, I didn't get diagnosed till I was 25. Um, you know, and this song's about kind of being 24, 23. And, and this moment where you realize, uh, for me, it was about this, this really great relationship I had when I was, you know, 20 years old, sophomore in college. And I blame this, this girl for ruining it. She ruined it. It was all her fault. She, you know, she's horrible. And then one day I had the realization that, oh, no, you did. You pushed her away. You did this. You did that. And like, you can't blame her for this anymore. And that was such a crushing, staggering moment when it was like the first time in my life, I kind of felt like you are responsible for your own decisions and actions and you can't blame other people for them anymore. And that was such a, a devastating moment, um, mm -hmm. which at the time I thought was too much. Um, and, and now I think it's important for us to talk about because um, to have that kind of part in that song where it's this real cathartic release because on the EP it's you know this moment of screaming and insanity and and, and pain and then the next song's Cameron Diaz with these really upbeat <laughs> you know guitars and, and riffage and, and sax and stuff and it's the poppiest thing we have right now and it's like it's kind of that that variance that if you can survive that long night things can get better if you actively seek for things to get better because I know a lot of times we get trapped in these thought cycles, especially in emo music of everything is terrible and I want to die, um, <laughs> which is important to talk about. But I think there's a fixation on it at times in this scene that everything is terrible, especially with like the emo moniker. Everyone's like, oh, I'm emo. I want to die and kill myself. And it's like, yes, that is part of it. But that can't be the end result. <laughs> where, where are you going to bring me hope afterwards? Because if you're just telling someone, hey, everything's terrible and I want to die, you're doing your listeners a disservice because you have to bring them the end of the story. Obviously you didn't die. So where do we go from here? And I think that was that song. I mean, uh, when we recorded it and I did the, the unclean vocals at the end, when I walked out of the booth, the entire band was just like quiet and they were just looking at me. And then the producer goes, Hey man, are you okay? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, I'm okay now, <laughs> you know, but that, that was some dark stuff that I'd repressed and was able to get it out. And, um, I think that's important. I think it's important to talk about everywhere you've been because until you've taken full control of your, your story, then, then other people can tell it however they want. And I, I think, um, being able to come to terms with where you've been and who you've been, um, comparatively to who you are and to go from these moments where you really you know, I really didn't think there was a point because I really didn't think things would ever be okay. And I mean, that continued until I was like 29, you know, 30, even it was this feeling of this is as good as it will ever get before I joined the band, especially it was like, nothing will ever be good. You are mentally ill and you will be alone and, 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 and nothing you do matters. And that was, that was a real reality. And I feel like that's a real reality for millions of people but they can't talk about it because you know there's such a thing around it and if you go man i i want to die oh don't die you're so special you have so much <laughs> to live for don't give up <laughs> it's like cool that really helps thank you for these colloquialisms they're like oh, i'm really sad today have you tried going outside oh i'm having a panic attack hey man have you tried not having a panic attack did you know that this book you know it's all that kind of stuff but i think drink some water yeah drink some water <laughs> go outside um I think being able to acknowledge that things really do get that bad 
Um, but then they do get better is essential, especially right now. Mm-hmm. So for sure, I think that's where that intentionality comes with. And especially with some of the songs we're writing now for, we're working on a full length, um, for next year. And, um, we're writing some little faster and heavier songs. We were working on one today. That's, um, kind of the inverse of alone in your apartment. It's a song about still being, having these suicidal thoughts while not being actively suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a complex thing, you know, whenever someone's like, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just thinking about killing myself. They're like, oh, no. And I'm like, no, no, it, it's like all the time. Like, it, it's not what you think it is. It's just, it's just part of, you know, the, the mindset of, of severe depression. It's these ideations and these thoughts, these unwanted and unwarranted. But you, you have to learn to address it and deal with it in order to get past it. So um, I think if you don't acknowledge that that's as bad as things have been, you can't ever get to the point where you realize that it's not an option and take it off the table until you address it fully. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what happened to me. I, you know, almost died and then went, Oh no, 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 no. Time out. Time out. I remember being in the emergency room and being like, Oh wait, 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 wait. I've made a mistake. I've made a mistake. I don't, I, this isn't what I want. And ever mm-hmm. since then it was like, okay, this is no longer an option. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, the healing was able to begin. So, and I mean, I feel like a lot of that kind of ties into, you know, I don't, I don't typically bring up band names, but it, it, that ties in a lot to what I've seen as like the kind of explanation of the band name, which is like being somewhat of like a modified quote from Catcher in the Rye and essentially saying like the band has gone through all this shit. So kind of like to save you from having to necessarily, um, can you tell me a little bit more about that kind of like idea behind the band name and also just kind of like you know, how it has kind of like helped you flip, helped you flip the script from, you know, the idea of like, nothing I do is going to matter to, you know, obviously having these fans who really connect very deeply with, um, with the music. Uh, I think that is the ethos of Cliff Diver of saying, you know, I've been here with you. I've been in this same place i promise you i know how you're feeling right now it's different but it's it's the same and things do get better like if you had met me at 27 i had no friends you know i was an out of control alcoholic blacking out like six seven times a week you know uh very publicly you know being sad and crying and yelling you know all this kind of messy behavior and and that was, that was it. I was, I would know that that was what I was going to be known for, for the rest of my life. But I feel like, um, once I was able to start getting healthier, it is important for me to be able to say to people who maybe are just starting to struggle with these feelings or have been struggling for years, like, look, look, look where I have been and look to where I am now. Not saying that like, I'm the great example by any means whatsoever. (laughs) I still, you know, make huge mistakes in my mental health care constantly, but it's a, you know, process, not perfection. But um, I feel like being able to go forward and to admit these messy pasts and to openly embrace um, the kind of destructive lifestyle I was living and take responsibility, I think. Um, that's the song Lost in Ikea. It's like, I've come to terms with who I've been and I'm learning to love myself again because for years, and I still struggle with this. I despised who I was. Like it was so humiliating, but I didn't know that there was another way to do it because no one told me there was like, 
you can have so many therapists who are, you know, you know, I, I was inpatient three times in, in my late twenties and you hear the same things over and over and over, but it sometimes for people, it takes longer to kick in me myself as one of those people. But once I realized that it was possible to get better because man, I've gotten better. Um, I felt the responsibility to tell other people because I know what it's like to be alone and to be so sad and so empty. And, and all I needed was someone to reach out and just, you know, tell me it was going to be okay. And I, if I can do that, even if we never become huge or whatever, you know, the conversations we've already been able to have because of me choosing to be honest about these things have been beautiful. I mean, we had a, a conversation with a guy in Omaha once after a show we played where this guy was like, I had every intention of killing myself tonight, you know? Uh, and he, he told me a really deep story about his partner dying and it'd been a year since he died and, and he, he couldn't keep going without him. And he was planning on going to one last show and then, you know, killing himself. And, and we talked for like an hour and cried in the rain in Omaha about like, I know what this is like. Um, and I think that, that that's the point. That's the purpose. That's, that's, that's my um, purpose. That's why I've survived to this point is to be able to, every once in a while, be able to really connect with someone and say, I know that this is, it feels like the only choice, but it's not. And things can change. And I, I do think that that is the point of Cliff Diver. And I think I've been very blessed to have Matt um, and the other guys, but especially Matt, um, who, who agrees with that vision and, and, and does this not just to be cool or popular or whatever, because he also believes in this mission that it's important for us to try and help. The world is going to hell in front of us and we need people to tell people that there's hope because the state has failed us, the churches have failed us, our, our, our parents and family have failed us. We need people to tell people that there is a way that we make it through this. So I, I, I think that's what it comes down to, that kind of meaning uh, behind the band is um, I can't take away your pain, but, you know, I can't hold you right now. And that's what I like to think we do musically and lyrically. I mean, for me, I've been in the music scene a long time. I mean, I'm playing in local bands for the better part of a decade, and it's like, you know, I spent a lot of years like really looking up to some of these bands and, uh, and, you know, it seems like the majority of them, probably 90% will just, are just so quick to brush you off and uh, not really put any real effort into your, you know, you know actually building a, a, a relationship with their fans or people who are looking up to them. And as, and as someone in the scene, who's like, trying to use this platform it's you know i think it's super important to set an example and uh so i think you know in, in my in my mind when i started the band i really wanted i wanted you know someone that was accessible um or i wanted the band to be someone who was accessible and and easy to talk to and not um intimidating uh because i think it's it's just incredibly important to have to have a role model in your local scene um, that you can actually be comfortable like reaching out to and be like, Hey, like your music really speaks to me. And um, this is how it makes me feel. And, and I just want to let you know that, you know, so I, 
I feel like we've 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 tried to do a, a really good job of just being honest and and open with anyone who's uh, who's reached out to us and and uh, you know try to do what we can to to build organic relationships with our with our friends and fans. And you know that's something we do say at shows like, hey, if you're struggling today, come talk to us, and we mean it. It's not just to like. Hey, come talk to us. And then when someone comes, it's like, cool, man, buy a record. Cool, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good to see you. And we've even seen that from other bands while, you know, playing tours and shows of, of like, there's a difference between people who try and actually build something with their community and their fans. And I think bands like that um, are special. Bands that actually, you know, you hear about Passion Pit, you know, the lead singer of Passion Pit's oh, pretty openly bipolar. And you hear this story about like this, this girl cinema DM saying that she was suicidal and he gives her a phone number, stays on the phone with her until she gets to the, you know, a hospital, like talks her through it, stays with her and has made it very open. And like he, they're massive. But I think there's, there's a difference. You can see that between someone who talks about it and is about it. There's, there's a difference. That's why we offer, you know, you know, uh, resources for counseling and therapy and, and psychiatric care at our shows, because I think there's a difference between someone who, is doing music for themselves or to actually try and help other people. And while I do think um, lately there's been more of a surge in people trying to help. Um, and I think that's beautiful. And I, I'm happy to be a part of it because our fans do matter and that's why we do it. And that's why I do it. It's, it's not about me. It's about how can I help? <laughs> and um, that's what Mr. Rogers said in, in the times of calamity look for the helpers there are always helpers <laughs> yeah and i mean you were kind of like talking about you know what you're trying to build within like the local scene and i know i feel like cliff diver ben quad and rose gold are kind of like three of the bands that i'm like super into that are out of oklahoma um like can you tell me a little bit and and i mean the fact that like the three of you play shows together even though you're like you know pretty you know substantially different enough where i wouldn't necessarily assume that you would um can you tell me a little bit about that local scene and um you know what it's been like for you it's it's been really cool um as matt says like he's been in the scene for a long time i've also uh, been involved with the scene for a couple years now uh and it's been awesome watching the scene our scene maybe not the entire tulsa or oklahoma music scene <laughs> as we have learned as of late um but to be a place of positivity and a place of encouragement and a place of really community where instead of like, we, we have a really healthy rivalry with Ben Quad, um, <laughs> which I think we instigate a little more than they do, but it's really funny. And, um, you know, they know that it's out of, but when they hit us, they hit hard, they hit hard, right? They started it. I just want to, I just want to be honest with that. They started the beef we're just here to, to end it. You know, don't, as little John says, don't start no ish. It won't be no ish. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, Oklahoma has been really cool. Tulsa has been really cool. Rose gold is uh, some really good friends of ours. We played a couple shows with them. They played both rose gold and Ben quad were at our, um, EP release this last November, which was the first, uh, all local lineup to sell up, sell out our kind of mid range 500 cap room venue. Um, so getting both of those bands on there, was really cool um, because they are friends and they are um, both kind of in that same vein of Rose Gold talks a lot about mental health mm -hmm. and about conquering that. Um, and, and Ben Quad as well. I think we all approach it differently. Um, and I think that's important too. 
that each each of us kind of offers that different variants of how to deal with these kind of feelings of uh, stress and anxiety and depression. But um, Tulsa is pretty beautiful right now. I'll tell you what, our emo scene, we keep getting new bands that pop up in it that are really good. I would recommend checking out Hazel Wave. They're kind of a, a pop punk band from around here. And then um, a good friend of ours who's on our our label with us, which I'm not saying I got them on our label, but I am saying that, you know, I got them on our label. Uh, Sunday Night <laughs> Foosball is really good. Real young kids from Shawnee, Oklahoma, and they rip. They just signed a chill wave with us. And um, nice. I, rec- I recommend them. They're going to be one of your favorite bands in the future. They're so good. Yeah, they but it's a bunch of young bands, and that makes us happy because, you know, we are kind of a bit of the older guard. Uh, not with band length, how long we've been around, but for general age, we're all in our late thirty, late twenties, early thirties. Not, <laughs> I'm actually forty three. Did I not tell you that? Um, but it's been cool to kind of set this kind of tone with our other friends of how we want this scene to be. We want it to be a place that's safe, mm-hmm. and a place that's encouraging, and a place that has um, value for its fans. And I think all those bands in our scene do it really well rose gold especially really good about community based band i mean they're all about and uh being inclusive definitely a similar kind of mo you know for uh, sure ours, you know for it's sure totally, it's really totally unique um, in general they're kind of doing their own it's a great it's a great, great band i would like some new music from ben quad personally but you know what are you gonna do they have a hard time writing songs all jokes aside uh we're really proud of those those guys i mean they were some of our first friends in the scene and We've played probably 10 to 15 shows with oh, them. At least. And I mean, if it was up to us, we'd go on tour with them tomorrow. But, you know, they're trying to finish up college and stuff like that. I think one day you will see a Cliff Diver Ben Quad tour package where we'll let them play, you know, a half a song or something at the beginning of our sets. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let them sound check for us. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, no, all jokes aside, they're, they're some of our dearest friends and we're really proud of them. But don't tell anyone we said that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll cut that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, you mentioned kind of like, you know, the fact that you are really trying to like build up the community. I'm curious, like, do you have any sort of like advice for, for other people who are, you know, not satisfied with the community that exists in their local scene and, you know, kind of want to move towards a more open direction um, as far as working together and, you know, mental health and everything like that? I, I would say... It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, intentionality. Make sure that what you were doing is purposeful. Um, make sure that the shows you put on are inclusive. Make sure that the the venues you play at are safe. Uh, make sure that you take um, accusations of uh, impropriety seriously. And make sure that you, beyond anything else, are a force of encouragement. Because it's really easy especially in like local scenes, like before even we broke into like kind of the DIY scene, which we're really fortunate to be a part of um, kind of the general emo pop punk DIY scene. Uh, but even on a local level, I think there's a lot of focus on competition. Like we, you have to be the biggest band from your city. You have to, you want to be playing bigger shows and all that stuff. But I think we realized pretty much from the beginning, since we all had been in other projects was that, that is so unnecessary and so destructive. And if you're out there comparing, like bragging about your numbers or your, your show counts or, you know, putting other bands down and stuff like that, you will never be able to build the kind of scene that you want. 
And I think a scene that's going to have longevity and consistency is going to be one that's based on mutual respect and kindness and empathy. Like it's a crazy time for everyone. So be Mm -hmm. inclusive, be embracive and be purposeful in your actions when building community because community is about the community, not about the individual. And I think um, you have a lot of bands that fake that and they don't last because people see through it. I think being authentic is crucial. Be who you are. Don't pretend to be someone you're not because it'll always come out. So try your best to love other people, to encourage new bands, to give shots to new bands. We always try and book young up and coming bands at our shows because I think it's essential. I think you have responsibility. If you are an active band, you're seen to cultivate the future of that scene so it doesn't die. That's what happened when kind of when we joined the scene, it was a recovering scene because, you know, 2012 to 2016 in Tulsa was a very dark cutthroat time in our music scene because it was competition. And I think we've been really blessed to be able to be part of this kind of renaissance, this recovery and this uh, rebuild where it is based on encouragement. And, and support. And of course, I mean, that's going to take time. So don't get discouraged would be my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Be intentional, be encouraging, and don't get discouraged. Matt, what do you think? Start a band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If it's, if it's really bugging you that much that the scene isn't what you want to start a band and change it yourself. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that's what the, I think that's what we owe the recent kind of upswing is the, these newer bands like Cliff Diver and others, Ben Quad, and, that have come out and just tried to do what they can to change and it's i mean it's working i mean like joey said we, we have new young bands that are kind of popping up making themselves known and we're we're more than happy to to welcome them into our uh, to our shows and our community um with open arms so yeah and i feel like a little bit of what you were kind of saying um kind of ties in with like the quote that i saw the press quote um for the release of water temple kind of it being about the um dissonance that kind of happens if you're ignoring your problems and just hoping that they go away um can you just tell me a little bit about like that song and you know how it came together i think dan uh our bass player wrote that song um musically i don't i think he might have wrote written some lyrics but which song? Uh, Water Temple. He wrote the the intro lyrics. Yeah, he okay. Like he right. came to us. He had the intro kind of done. He had the the idea, the basic idea for the chords, and then those lyrics for for the the intro. And then I, I wrote the rest of it. And then Matt kind of wrote after the intro, um, and took over what he had done. But uh, yeah, I, I think Joey probably explains it better. Just the way that it, it kind of. It comes in after after the EP kind of ends on that high that high note like wow I'm you know I'm getting better I'm focusing on these mistakes that I've made and I'm turning them into into positives mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of comes back in like a few months later with this with this return of of kind of self doubt and um, and uh, procrastination like yeah I know I should be I know I should be doing this but I'm gonna I'm going to continue kind of holding off and uh, talking around to it, it, you know, it'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what it is. I think that's important to talk about too, is that even when you do have these great, amazing breakthroughs, these cathartic moments of triumph and evolution that it doesn't end there. 
you have to keep living. You can't just go, okay, I've learned to love myself. I will never doubt anything ever again. I am now the perfect evolved man. Yeah, it's almost like a <laughs> mental relapse. Exactly. But I mean, I think that's an important part of it. It's the idea that it's an ongoing process. It's not going to ever just stop. You're going to have to work on yourself for the rest of your life if you want to be healthy. That's what it is. It's a commitment every day. <laughs> am I going to do things that help my mental health or am I going to do things that, that hurt my mental health? And it's a decision. And sometimes that decision is made for you. But uh, I, I do think that it's important to talk about, and which we're going to continue to talk about on this LP, is that just because you have come to these great moments of of self-realization it doesn't mean that the work stops that's only the first step to the process like cameron diaz and ikea aren't the end of the journey they're just the beginning point of hey i want to get better <laughs> but it doesn't mean that just because i want to get better all of a sudden i am better and uh with water temple especially i think it's um this exploration of once you're coming off this mountaintop and everything has been so good and you start to notice things are slipping again. You want to be like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm better than this now. I've evolved. I am the fulfilled man. I will not slip back into these old things. I'm fine. Everything is just fine. And it's the same thought patterns from like the party song, the, the Are You Still Sing Greg, The Orthodontist. It's this idea of everything's fine. Everything's fine because things were so bad for so long. You want to hold on to any chance you get to be in the light. So... Uh, I think that uh, it's important to talk about that. It's important to talk about the fact that even when you are getting better, you're going to have days where you hate yourself. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to compound and compound and grow and then become worse and worse until you do have this kind of breakdown, which is the end of that song, which is like the realization that I'm not loving myself well. Why do I keep struggling with this simple question? Why can't I just just love like i've been through this why can't i just love myself and that's something i struggle with constantly i mean i have days i wake up and i'm like you are the best looking most talented dude that has <laughs> ever lived and i'm like heck yeah and then you know a couple hours later i'll catch myself in the mirror and be like you troll you abomination you disgust me and it's just like but that's the thing with being bipolar it's peaks and valleys man and until you address the fact that it's a consistent struggle you can never actually get to the point where you want to love yourself because until you can admit that things are going to continue to be a struggle no matter what you do you're going to still have these thoughts and these feelings and these unwarranted you know uh ideas but you got to come to terms with those and you have to be forgiving to yourself and you have to try and consistently love yourself. And it's the worst. And I hate it. And I hate me a lot of the times, but not all the time. And I used to hate myself all the time. So I feel like that's progress and it's important to talk about. Sure. Yeah. I feel like it's really interesting that like you mentioning kind of, you know, the different kind of like perspectives that, you know, the, the songs are written from and the way that those can play into, you know, it could be the way you're looking at it. It could be the way someone else is looking at it. It could be the way you're looking at it right now is like with a more specific visual than, you know, if you were, you know, thinking more logically or whatever. I think it's really interesting the way that, you know, you kind of 
address so many different issues from these different perspectives. Uh, is that something that you're, you know, planning to continue to address um, on the LP? Uh, for sure. I mean, before the LP, we're going to have a another little thing that's going to come out. I can't really give too much details on it yet because we don't have all the details on it yet. But uh, this fall, we're going to have a couple more songs come out before uh, the LP. And um, one of those songs, we just kind of finished it up today. Um, it's called Cat Heaven is a Beautiful Place, but you can't get there if you're euthanized. <laughs> and um, a nice little office reference. But um, uh, it's about these fears of that your depression is going to ruin a relationship. Um, and I think that is kind of an important place for where I am right now. And Matt, Matt wrote half of the song and I wrote the other half, which is something we've been doing lately is someone will have an idea for something, then we'll build around it. And, um, but, but the song's kind of like this fear of that this other person is going to realize how broken you are and they're going to leave you, which is a very real fear for people who struggle with depression and anxiety or PTSD or, you know, BPD or any of these things on the spectrum of, of someone eventually is going to see me for who I am and they're going to hate me because <laughs> I've seen me for who I am and I hate me sometimes. And I think uh, the end of the song ends up pretty positively. And it's like, even though these are my fears, um, I'm not going to let that control this. And I think we're going to be okay because I think that's also um, part of it is you can you have to acknowledge that these thoughts and these feelings are there and you have to talk about them and communicate them and that's the point of a relationship i feel like i mean i don't know i haven't been in one in years but i, <laughs> I i've been told uh i've watched enough of queer eye where i feel like i know enough karamo has uh, done great jobs in helping my <laughs> emotional growth but uh I, I, I do think that that is something that it's universally understood for people who struggle with these kind of things of this feeling of someone else is going to notice. So it's going from, why can't I love myself to, yeah, I've gotten better, but I'm afraid that someone else is going to see me for who I was and that'll be too much for them. And, um, but I, I think our goal is to, as we continue to write, is to write hope, to address these serious um, things that are a part of my life in a way that helps me kind of process and heal from them because it is a, a, a two-way street. I mean, we do this to help, but also it helps me a lot, especially live. Um, being, not being able to play live shows for a couple of months has been really tough. I didn't realize how much that had been part of my self-care over the last two years until we weren't able to do it anymore. Then I was like, oh, I need it. I, I, need, I need to be yelling at people about my depression. So, um, I do think that it's something we're going to do going forward <laughs> is continue to explore the ideas of what, what does it mean to be mentally ill in your thirties? You know, because there's been a lot of talk about being 17 and depressed or, you know, 25 and depressed, but what does it mean to be 33 and supposedly like all your friends are married and you know, wonder years kind of touches on it. All my friends have jobs, you know, they have wives, they have people who care if they come home at night, but I think I messed up. And so I think that those thoughts are important of, Hey, my life is not all together. And that's okay. And there's not some timeline where we all have to have everything figured out by. And that's one of the biggest lies that I think society has sold us. If you're not married and happily in your career by the time you're 30, that you will never be enough. And I think that's such a lie. And I think that's important for us to address going forward, that it's okay to be unsure and scared and insecure and, 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 and worried about the future. Because I think everyone, if they're being honest, is. Um, so I think the more we can talk about that, the more we can 
uh, kind of explore those themes. Um, obviously, all I can do is explore my own brain, but I hope that in by doing that, other people can find some sort of community with it as well. Sure. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree what you just said. <laughs> That's how most of our interviews go. I'll, I'll go on some large, you know, monologue, and then Matt will be like, yep. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's another uh, another cool thing about this band is we've got like three of us that that are totally able to con- contribute to to the lyrical content and like the direction of these songs and and kind of offer our own bits to the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, really, in hopes that that the listener, no matter what they're going through, will will be able to pick something out and be like, oh, that that speaks to me or that makes sense to me there's a little bit of everyone's perspective there exactly and we write these songs together um you know oftentimes you know i'll kind of have a little bit more of the general direction on on the lyrics but like we all do it together it's not like it's you know my stories or my songs it's like ours it's ours and we do it each member i think contributes something that's important to telling these tales and we're all in the same page when it comes to it about what we want our direction to be and, and our focus and i think um, having, you know, Matt and, and Dan um, being able to write lyrics as well. And Matt and I usually write all the songs together. I mean, we've written everything since the first EP together in this room we're sitting in right now. We're going to start working on a new song once we get off this call. And it's having a partnership kind of burden lifting. I know that Matt is just as committed to this as I am. And I know that Matt doesn't see any other way forward besides playing music which is the same as me and i know that he believes in what we're talking about and it's what we're talking about it's not just what i'm talking about it's not a lot of people get lost in this like oh these are my stories and some of them are based on my stories but they're ours there are our our tales there are our songs and we're i couldn't be happier to be on this team because that's what it is since the first project i've ever been involved in where it's a team it's not you know it's not ego driven um, you know, we had some struggles with that in the beginning. Um, we've had some members come and go, and um, I think we have the right mix now, the right mix of of people, and uh, we might add to it, but um, we all we all have the same dream, which is doing this for the next 15, 20 years. <laughs> because once you've done it and you've been on stage and you've heard people sing your songs back to you, it's just <laughs> like, oh. Everything else just kind of isn't enough besides, you know, I'm a dad. So that is the best thing in my life. But being in Cliff Diver is second place for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I I know we've hit on the fact that there is a saxophone in the band a couple of times. And I feel like it'd be remiss not to uh, dive a little bit more into that. Um, I'm just curious, like it has kind of such a stereotypical, like sad saxophone, like, you know, movie or TV show, like sound effects sound to it. Like, how do you go about making the saxophone fit so well into your songs without sounding like corny or campy? <laughs> really, that's a good question. I don't know how we really go about that, but I just... We have Donnie. Yeah, I mean, Donnie, <laughs> you know, he's he's something else. He, he really plays the sax in a way that I haven't really ever seen it, anyone else do it. And um, I... <laughs> You know, I know him because I played in a ska band with him and um, he was coming from that band where it was the lead singer who would write most of the 
most of the sax melodies. And uh, so I wasn't sure like what his, what his, what he was really capable of when it came to actually writing his own licks and, and contributing to this, to the song, like in a musical way. But um, man, it's just meshed so well together. And of, and of course, you know, he'll come over after I've laid out um, all of the other instrumentals and, and usually it's the last thing we add because the way we kind of approach it is it, um, I'll, I'll, I'll write like the foundation of this song with all the rhythm sections and then Joey will come in and we'll put all the vocals down and then we will basically see like what is really left to accomplish and then try to fill that whatever that gap is with the sax mm -hmm. and um, you know if you were to listen to other bands um, you would probably hear um, you know, bands that are similar to us anyway, you'd probably hear a, a background vocal doing like some kind of oohs and ahs or maybe, you know, um, some kind of harmonies or whatever. And um, in Cliff Diver, I think that, you know, the sax kind of covers a lot of those bases. We still have harmonies and background vocals, of course, but, you know, we kind of treat it as if it's just an, another vo voice in the band. And I think that's where the teamwork also comes into it, because while well, Donnie will write a lot of it, but we'll sit there and practice whenever we're kind of working through these songs. And then if anyone has an idea, we're like, well, what if the sax did this? And then Donnie <laughs> will try that. Or and even I'll be singing some Donnie's like, what if you tried these notes? And I think that's the advantage of having a team and not an ego based project is you can be like, oh, that's a great idea. Instead of like, no, shut up. This is my time. You <laughs> ignore, like, do your thing. But yeah, I think um, Donnie's really, really talented. He's a funny guy. He's. It's been amazing getting to know him these last couple of years. He knows every song on the radio somehow. Like he knows <laughs> all of them. He likes good vibes. Uh, the Joe Rogan pro podcast and taking his shirt off in public. And I mean, like, <laughs> he's the only dude in the band that's uh, brave enough to to sleep in the van when we're on tour in a sketchy motel and he'll sleep in the van with it with a gun oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> that's just donnie donnie's just there for the journey man he's a and uh, i think um there is going to be some spots on this this lp and these these new songs coming out this fall where it is a lot more major key sax solos like in this cat heaven song there's this sax solo that's absolutely the most ripping thing we've ever done and it's just it's an earworm of a sax solo and, you know, I'm really tempted even right now just to start singing it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, when we first started as a band, there was uh, a couple shows Donnie couldn't make it to. And it was like right when we were starting out, our first couple shows. When I, before I learned that you couldn't, you know, pregame shows as much as I was doing at that time. And so I would be singing Donnie's sax parts on stage. Oh, and Matt would be like, stop it. It sounds <laughs> terrible. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Uh, but I, I think there's um, there's talk of a freeform jazz section on the LP, maybe, Ooh. where we can really let Donnie the dance around. So awesome. I think um, I think with our new music, look for new ways um, for Donnie to be involved. Hopefully, we're going to get him to sing a little bit, too. He's got a great voice. Um, <laughs> and I think the focus is keeping it where it's organic and not this kind of gimmicky uh, sound, which I think... Um, is is a is a process but i think that is what kind of sets it apart it's not this just like saxophone good but um you gotta find find the line between you know 
George Michael and, you know, something that's just sacks for the sake of sacks. So mm-hmm. I think uh, Donnie does a great job with that. And I'm really excited to show people kind of this evolution of the band. We want, we want to, every new release be different. Um, something that shows our fans that we are actually working and growing <laughs> and, and trying to evolve instead of, you know, just putting out the same LP EP over and over again, which I'm sure some of our fans would really like. Um, I'm really looking forward to it when we release this one of these really super poppy songs that we're going to release this fall. I'm really looking forward to people being like, I like Old Cliff Diver better. <laughs> I love, where's all the yelling? But uh, we're down a member. I mean, Spencer was, he was our, our lead guitarist. He contributed something really special, you know, and the fact that he could, that he could about a, like an atmospheric something uh, you know something kind of spacey and uh different and like an explosions in the sky almost kind of vibe and that's just not gonna be well i mean there are some moments where i'm where i'm gonna try to do what i can yeah. to kind of fill those voids and we're gonna synth a little <laughs> but, bit of that ambience for sure but but for the most part now i'm i'm just tracking and writing all the guitar parts by myself and that's it's included so i mean things are just gonna sound different mm-hmm. and i mean um with uh with a water temple and you can kind of get it kind of get a taste of what I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think going forward, things are going to be, be quite a bit different, probably quite a bit heavier, um, yeah. faster, uh, a little more jumpy, a little more. I mean, it's, I, I grew up listening to punk rock, you know? And so that's where a lot of my influence comes from. And I think a lot of that's going to kind of stick out more in the <laughs> future. Well, sure. I can't wait. Yeah, we have some good stuff. I, I mean, we have all the instrumentals almost written. For um, we're starting the the writing process today for lyrics for the full length. And um, awesome, I I'm really excited about it. I think it could be. I I, I think a full length is kind of that moment where you really enter this. <laughs> like you could be a part of it with EPs and singles and all that stuff. But I think there's something really special about releasing an album, and saying, "All right, here we are. And this is our vision." And <laughs> I hope that it vibes and if it doesn't then too bad because that's all we can do so (laughs) for sure for sure um and yeah i mean the last thing that i always like to end with is you know i feel like we've hit on a lot of really good stuff already but um just trying to squeeze out a last little piece of um either advice or you know something you've been thinking about philosophizing on um you know about music or life in general just you know something you'd like to share i'll let matt go first then i'll go Oh man, let's get that philosophy, bud. Philosophy, <laughs> not not traditionally my strong suit. That's why Matt got me in the band. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've been doing what I can to. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reflection. I mean, it's it's something that's totally uh, manageable right now while we're kind of avoiding other people and uh, keeping social distance and everything. So. Um, I don't know. I, I think I've, I've been trying to focus on what used to make me happy and why I don't feel those, those feelings anymore. And then try to, um, kind of do what I can to rediscover like my youth and, and what exactly brought me here. Did you know that's um, a side effect of depression? Uh, <laughs> no longer finding joy in things that once used <laughs> to bring you pleasure. That's like depression one-on-one, but absolutely. Hey, you're in the right band then. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, I agree that's why you. we're here right i so. agree with you though that that rediscovering the things that especially now when everything's crazy like 
you have to find things that, that bring you joy because there are old ways of dealing with things have ended effectively. And who knows when they'll ever go back. And you can sit around and wish things were different and wish things were the way they were and all that kind of stuff. You can go out every weekend without a mask and go to full, you know, shows and stuff. But you're living in a dream world that's pretty destructive and, and hurtful. You have to be able to be real and authentic with yourself. Self-reflection and honest, you know, paying attention to how life really is, is important. And it's painful at first. Um, a lot of people for the first time are, are, like I said earlier, feeling these feelings of not knowing what the future is. And I think it's important to be able to be vulnerable with yourself, especially now. Be vulnerable with yourself about how you're doing health-wise, mentally and physically. What are the things that you are doing in order to ensure that things are heading in the direction you want to go in? And, excuse me, and, and what is the things that you can do right now that can help uh, you kind of grow towards the person you want to be. And I, I'd say all that begins with looking yourself in the eyes in the mirror and saying one day you will die. And one day all of this will be over. But for now, we live. And what can we do in order to live, survive, but to actually live life? This is it. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, because no one knows what tomorrow may bring. So what can you do today in the middle of all of this to bring yourself closer to the life you want or to be the person you want? And I would say be open to the idea of maybe going to therapy, especially now. Be open to the idea that maybe everything that you think um, – you've handled well through some reflection, you can see ways you can do it a little bit better, but also have patience with it. If you're not the person you wanna be right now, we're in the middle of a global and economic health crisis. You know, the world is falling apart in front of us. Our president doesn't care. <laughs> like, what can you do right now? Don't be so hard on yourself. So what, you didn't work out every, way, every day in the quarantine. People are dying by the hundreds of thousands around the globe. Album while the world was falling apart. Guess what? That's okay. So be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. But slowly find ways, like Matt said, to rediscover the things that bring you joy and to work towards who you want to be and how you want your life. And remember that you are loved and you are valid and you are worthy of love, even when you're not able to do your best. Um, that doesn't disqualify you from being able to uh, have a future with purpose. So um, I feel like that's important. To but also keep in mind that every birds aren't rears. Yeah, of course, of course. You got to find the, uh, <laughs> the in-between. You got to find that nice sweet spot in between existentialism and nihilism where you go, yes, everything is important and I can create my own destiny, but at the same time, nothing matters and I will die. So you got <laughs> you to gotta find that middle... Uh, yeah, this is true, and this is also true. So yeah, there we go. Multiple right. multiple perspectives, like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> exactly. And if things get too bad, we can invent the technology to go invade a nearby parallel universe, and we can take over those people's lives and try again. <laughs> it's not too late. We can do it. We're gonna be okay. That's Cliff Diver's message. If things get too bad, we'll invade the the neighboring universe. That should be the headline for this interview. <laughs> Cliff Diver endorses murdering parallel universe. View, so. <laughs> You're going to be okay. 
And I know it doesn't feel that way. And I know I don't feel that way sometimes, but what story would you, do you want to tell? Do you want to tell a story where everything ends and it's impossible to overcome these odds and everything is terrible and always will be? Or do you want to tell a story that says, despite all these things, our heroes persevered and they kept going despite everything that was thrown at them, despite every evil power and every force of darkness that has risen against them, there is hope and there is a way that we can still find victory and still find the lives that we've always wanted. We just can't quit fighting now. And I think that's what I'd want to say. Don't stop fighting. You have made it so far. Um, follow us on social media, I guess. That'd be cool. <laughs> At Cliff Diver, okay on everything. If you wanted to actually reach out in person, send us a message of hate or love or whichever. <laughs> or concern. If, if you've listened to this thing and said, holy cow, I, I need to talk to these guys. Either I think I'm worried about Joey or uh, I relate way too hard to some of the things he's saying. Our inbox is always open. Like, no joke. I know a lot of bands say that, but if you're struggling, you can reach out to us if you don't know anywhere else to go you can reach out to us and we'll find people who um can help we just want to say thanks for listening to uh, anyone else um who is listening and that we uh we love you guys and we're we're thankful to be in a position where um we're gonna survive this time of things being uh so chaotic and next year we plan on being on the road probably at least six months so we're going to come see you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, we'll be there. So, so wear a mask so it can happen. <laughs> yes, please. For the love of God, wear, wear a mask. Don't, 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 don't be dumb. It's not a political statement. Just stop booking shows. Yeah. Uh, just, just for a bit. And if you cut it out for a bit, we can all go back to, to playing shows. And I can come scream in your face in your basement in Ohio about being sad. But we can't do that if you won't wear a mask. So wear a mask, quit being selfish. Black Lives Matter and um, Cliff Diver loves you. So I think that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> there we go. That one went long, but I hope you're on the other side all the better for it. If you haven't already, please check out Cliff Diver's music. There's such a cool vibe, and I really think this band is doing something very special. Thanks to Matt and Joey for being so open and taking the time to talk. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. It's okay not to be okay, please reach out if you need any help. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.